to the Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcasts, which are now entering their fourth year of broadcast. Who would have thought that when Seth died in 2014, all these years later we would be making a podcast in his memory? It's a really exciting time for Charlotte and me. We've been recording 30 podcasts, one for each day in November, as part of Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. Charlotte has been talking to all kinds of people involved with pancreatic cancer and over the next 30 days we will hear lots of personal stories. Stories of love, stories of commitment, stories of hope and sadly, as always with pancreatic cancer, stories of loss. Each story will help you understand the challenges of pancreatic cancer as well as the signs and symptoms and will help you to have conversations with people and ensure that they are aware of what to look out for. Join us each day for our Purple Rainbow podcast. If you miss any of the episodes, you can catch up by visiting www.purplerainbow.co.uk where all of the podcasts will be stored for you to listen to at your leisure. Follow us on your podcast channel, like and share, and join us for an interesting month with lots of stories of love and hope. Welcome to today's episode of Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcast. This is just one of 30 episodes you're getting throughout November 2021. Yes, one a day for Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. I'm Charlotte and today... It's a really special conversation I'm having. It's with a wonderful woman called Liz Plant. Liz lost her mum to pancreatic cancer in May last year. So that was during the first COVID lockdown in the UK. And before we go any further, I just want to warn you that Liz's story is still really raw. And there are parts of this episode which you may find upsetting. I found some of them upsetting. So... I suggest if you're feeling a bit wobbly today, then you might want to give this episode a miss for now and then come back tomorrow for another episode. Liz begins our conversation by telling me about her mum. Gosh, she was a tough cookie, bless her. Um, And I would call her a survivor. And if I can be half the woman that she was, then, well, yeah, I'd be very happy with that. Um, she, she didn't have an easy life, not to start off with, but, um, and then she lost my dad in July 2007. Um, yeah, so that obviously hit her hard, but, uh, but she got over that. She soldiered on. And then, because her, her sister, my auntie, lives out in France, never ever been abroad because it was something my mom never wanted to do or my dad didn't want to do. So for the first time ever at 70 years old, she flew out to France. Uh, my sister went with her for the weekend just to help her out there, and she had a whale of a time. Um, so yeah, nothing phased her really. Um, she yeah, she was really strong. Never complained about anything. Never, yeah, never complained about anything. She was just, you know, she just tried to live life. Especially after my dad went, she tried to live life to the full to some degree. Um, she, yeah, she was uh, she was a soldier. In um, 2011, she went in for a routine operation for an aneurysm and lost her life. So she had to be revived. And she came out of that and, you know, fighting (laughs) again. (laughs) I could say she was a a remarkable woman. Well, I think she was anyway. And so does does all the daughters. So 
last year, sadly, your mum died. Tell me, and I know this is going to be hard, so just take your time. It was quick after diagnosis, wasn't it? So when was she first diagnosed? She was actually diagnosed. She finally went into hospital on the Saturday. She got diagnosed on the Sunday and then we lost her on the following Friday. Gosh. Um, yeah, it was. But knowing what I know now about pancreatic cancer, all the signs were there. They, they were all there. So what, what were those signs that obviously at the time... Well, they put that down with the doctor. Obviously, we were in the uh, in COVID times, um, which made things so much harder. Um, she started to drastically lose weight. She was just disappearing before my eyes, or before all our eyes. She um, started not wanting to eat. Um, she uh, was sick when she did eat. Oh, excuse me. You're fine. Take your time. Obviously, doctors were called. They um, put it down to that she got gastric problems because she did suffer with Crohn's as well. And when she got pain, that was all. They put that sort of down to her Crohn's, which she would be in bed sometimes with pain with the Crohn's. Um, so anyway, this particular time, she was um, given tablets for gastric problems and nothing more was said. But then she had a fall when I went around because I was looking after her at the time. And um, she had a fall when I was helping her get to bed. And I dressed the wound because by this point she'd lost so much weight, her skin was quite fragile. I dressed the wound to the best I could. And the next day I called the, um, the doctors to say, I think this wound might need checking. So the nurse came out and she just sort of gave mum another examination. And, and she said, you know, mum looks a little bit yellow. And I sort of looked at her and I thought, maybe she does a little bit and I'd not really sort of notice and then um, so anyway a doctor was called again um, and again it was just like well he, he couldn't really he didn't say that she was yellow or anything like that um, and the pain that she was in as well which I bless her I used to ring her every morning before I came round go round and I'll say you're right and she always used to say no I feel feel a bit like a wet rag and that's always stuck with me. I'll never, never quite know where that came from. But yeah, well, the doctor came and well, at the point in time, he did say to her, maybe you need to go into hospital for a scan. And because of what happened with the aneurysm, she was actually really scared of going into hospitals. Um, this was the week leading up to her giving in to the pain because she just in so much pain that um, I went round on the Saturday and she just said, I can't take this anymore. And I I said to her, are you sure, Mum? Because I knew that I wouldn't be able to go into hospital with her. I said, because once I made that phone call, and she said, I can't take it. And when I say my mum was a tough cookie for her to say, I can't take this pain anymore. She obviously was in so much pain. So anyway, uh, oh, the ambulance was called. Uh, paramedics were wonderful. And if bless her, even right up till then, she was laughing and joking with the paramedics <laughs> about boobs more than anything, or the lack of them. Um, anyway, they took her in. 
Um, I had a nightmare the next day of trying to locate her. They told, told her she was going to one hospital. When I finally found her, she was in a totally different hospital. And pretty much that's when I got told that um, she got pancreatic cancer. Um, and um, end of life care was going to start. And my mum made a, oh, I forgot what it's called now, when they say what they want, if ever that came to the stage. And she wanted to be at home. So then um, I spoke to her every day. She was still fine, still talking to me, trying to get through to any of the, <laughs> trying to get them to understand that my mum wanted to come home. It was a nightmare. I ended up ringing our, our doctor, who was amazing. Um, uh, anyway, fast forward. I um, rang my doctor um, again on the Friday and he rang the hospital um, and and basically they she, he ended up having to go straight to um, the um, palliative care nurses because he wasn't getting anywhere and um, he said he'd call me back. I spoke to my mum about one o'clock. Hello. I always remember that call because I said to her, I said, Mom, I can't stay on the phone because um, the doctor's ringing me back because we're going to get you home. And she was, I could hear she was really, really breathless. And um, so she put the phone down. The palliative care nurse rang me to say she'd just spoken to Mom and they were going to get her home. And then Dr Abbas rang me, must have been about four o'clock, to say that, she, um, you know, we were um, getting her home. He'd been and spoken to the palliative care nurse, and I said, "Oh yes." I said, um, "They've already rung me," and he said, "Well, I'm hoping it'll be today." And I said, "Why?" I said, "How long she got?" And he went, "Not long." So that was that. And about an hour later, the hospital rang me to say she was unresponsive. Oh, Liz. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Take your time. <laughs> Take your time. She finally passed away at about half past nine that night. It's just oh, just so quick. And it's just such a bloody awful, awful disease. I know that, I know that if, um, you know, if it was caught early, that obviously my mum, with the age that she was at, she probably, they wouldn't have been able to help her much, but to have whatever time she got left with us, pain-free, and to still enjoy what a bit of life, that, but the, we, the pain that she was in. I always said, just seeing the weight that came off her, <laughs> and now I understand the aspects of like, basically this disease, it starves you. She was just so frail in the end. We've touched on the fact it was during COVID and during lockdowns and during all that difficulty. What effect did that have on on you all as as a, as a family as well as as well as your mum? Awful, because I was the only one going round, and, and without this sounding awful, because of lockdown and I didn't go to work. Those six weeks when lockdown started to losing mum, it gave me some precious precious time I was around there every day with her and we had some right laughs doing a jigsaw puzzle and 
I've got videos of her and and that's just seeing them to what she was. And it, like my other sisters, they'd come and drop stuff off, but they, obviously they couldn't come and spend time with her. And it's like they've all said that if they knew what was coming, they would have done. Um, so it, it was bloody hard, bloody hard. And my mum has never been into hospital and not, and I've not been with her or one of us have not been with her and not to be able to go into that ambulance. That was just heart wrenching, absolutely heart wrenching. I couldn't, be, I got a couple of other sisters that live in the village and I did ring them. Another one lives in Loughborough and obviously she couldn't get because she couldn't drive. And so my other sisters did come and stood in the um, little courtyard. And when they wheeled her away, I couldn't watch her go. And I said, I'll see you soon, Mum. She went, you might. She knew. She knew. And do you know what else she knew? How much you loved her. Oh. She knew because she she left us. When after she obviously she passed, she knew something wasn't right because she left a letter. And I've got the letter here. I've asked Jasmine to read this to you when the time comes. I'm not very good at putting pen to paper, but here goes. Thank you all for the love and support you have given me over the past few years. Without you four, I don't think I would have been with you so long, but I did make my 80th. I know you will all be okay. I have been worrying about one of you though. You know who I mean. I do hope things get better for you. Look after one another, please. No falling out. If you do sort it out, don't let it go on, please. I have tried to be a good mum, but it was hard for me to spread myself, especially when I got a lot older and my health not so good. I have made mistakes in my life, but I think we all have. I have enjoyed being your mum, watching you all grow up into four beautiful women, giving me eight gorgeous grandchildren, four ador adorable great-grandchildren. Your dad would have been so very proud of you, all if he was here. I want you all to know how much I love you all. And now I am with the one I love since I was 21. Look after one another, sending loads of love to you all and lots of love to the grandchildren. I hope they all have a good life, Mum. You've got me. <laughs> she knew. But how gorgeous to have that letter. She's talking to you still. And she's always there with that letter. It's the first time I've read that out. <laughs> You've done amazingly well. I don't think I'd be able to read that. I honestly don't. I'm surprised I did it. <laughs> okay, I, I need a slurp of tea. So if you need a slurp of tea, please have one or water. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's just a beautiful, beautiful thing to keep and to have. And, and I love... <laughs> that she's given mum advice about not falling out and then that. that mums are always mums, aren't they? Yeah. They'll never stop being your mum. No, no, they won't. <laughs> she was, yeah. She was, uh, she was a rock really for us all. Obviously, it's been a really tough, tough year. But 
you've been doing some ridiculous things in memory of your mum, haven't you? And I think we need to mention some of these things that you're doing to raise awareness and, and raise money as well. So tell me what you've been up to, Liz. Well, up to now, well, I've only done the one thing up to now, but my daughter and I, on my 50th birthday, uh, did a tandem parachute jump. Which That's was, normal. <laughs> which was absolutely amazing. It really was. I mean, I was absolutely bricking it. And my daughter. But it was just like, for my 50th birthday, making memories with my daughter, in memory of my mum, to raise money for this charity was just, I couldn't have had a better birthday, really. What was that like? Because I've, I've never done anything like, and the nearest I've done to any kind of, I do sort of long distance running sort of thing. So, you know, that just, it's just hard. It's just horrible, but I do it because I kind of almost enjoy it. But the thought of throwing myself out of a plane. No, <laughs> I'm all right oh. for that. But so tell me, what is it like? Oh, how do you, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing feeling in the world. I mean, when you sat there dangling out the plane, you have to put your legs underneath the plane and then you just, the free fall, it doesn't last for very long, but it's so exhilarating. And then when the parachute goes up, it's, yeah. I mean, I did shout out. I said, this is for you, mom. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I left out the play. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. And I bet she and your dad heard as well. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I think I shouted it loud enough. <laughs> and doing it with your daughter, that's really significant as well, isn't it? Because you're kind of showing your daughter the relate, you know, that you've obviously had a really good relationship with your mum. It's then kind of having a good relationship with your daughter is almost honouring, is, is honouring your mum in a way, isn't it? Yeah, 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 it is. Definitely. I mean, we, it was just, like I say, to do it with Remy as well. It's just amazing. I mean, I did try and get my son to do it with me, but he was like, no, I won't tell you what his words were. <laughs> would I have to edit them out? <laughs> yes, you would. <laughs> have you got any more plans for things? Um, yes. Hopefully next year I want to do um, a bungee jump. Um, so <laughs> that's uh, I've been in contact with um, the company and the actual um, bookings go live at the end of this month. So there's only the two highest ones is 400 feet. They only hold them once a year or so, but then the next highest one is 300 feet, which they do more of. So I'm hoping to get booked into the 300 feet bungee jump. <laughs> Liz, best of luck with that. That would be, again, exhilarating and frightening and scary and all that. Um, but I'd love to catch up with you and find out how your bungee jump went, oh, if that's definitely. okay. Yeah, no, I'd love that. I'm more than happy. The, I mean, the other, the other thing that I was going to do, and I can't remember the exact name of it, but it was another skydive, and, um, but you do it on your own. You have like training on the ground to learn to fly um, the parachute. You jump out the plane on your own, but they you're actually attached and they release the parachute for you, but then you're on your own and have to guide yourself down. That was my other, but I might do that the year after. <laughs> There's no stopping you, Liz, is there? <laughs> no. I love it. I love it. No. Well, it's for a good cause. And like I say, if I can help just one person get that early diagnosis, then yeah. Thank you so much to Liz for talking with me for the podcast, having that conversation with me, for being so open with me and for sharing that letter that her mum wrote. 
obviously I spoke to Liz ahead of this and, you know, it still moves me, that letter. It really, really does. Thank you for listening. Please, please, please share this podcast. Leave us a review. Leave us a rating. It all helps get this podcast more visible. And that's what we're here for. We're here every day in November with an episode raising awareness of pancreatic cancer. You can find out more at purplerainbow.co.uk. And of course, I'll have a new episode for you tomorrow.